10. Well, we are starting a series on uh, Matthew 24, or the study of end times, uh, whatever we want to call it. Maybe that's what we call it, Matthew 24, the study of end times. And as an introduction, I'm going to start an introduction tonight, probably do a little, little uh, maybe delve a little bit more on Sunday night. And I expect to be here for quite some time and just going through, looking at it, setting it forth by the scripture. Just, just a quick announcement. Uh, Brother Jimmy Lewis will be sharing here next Tuesday night. And then we will get a um, uh, get it going normal on Tuesday nights. I just uh, decided uh, to take this one for an introduction to the uh, study. And as we look at the introduction of the study, I, I want us to start in Matthew 23. And right at the end of Matthew 23, I think it's a good setup to go into uh, 24. In verse 37, and, and I always want to go backwards when I start at verse 37, uh, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So what I want us to see here is that he was talking here to Jerusalem. I really want that to sink in, that Jesus was talking specifically to Jerusalem. I want a number of things to, to sink in tonight, that he came under the old covenant. When he was born a babe in Bethlehem, he was born under the law. Galatians tells us that he was made under the law. So we have this idea that all these scriptures are future oriented. And when Jesus said them, they were future oriented. And some people say, well, they have nothing to do with us today. Well, that's not true either. There's a, there's a big stumbling block here because people don't understand them. And if people understood them, that would take care of some of the stumbling block. Now, my view on this, this is my view, is that while it's physically fulfilled, naturally fulfilled, what we're going to look at is a lot of the fulfillment of it. It has to be fulfilled in your heart. Okay. You have to know it. You have to comprehend it and understand it. And you do that by a person. You don't just do that by the scripture. I mean, the scripture is part of it, 
but you comprehend it through the person of Jesus Christ. When I started this study a few years ago, I started working on a book of Matthew 24. Actually, I think I originally started as a study guide. I think I tell you that in the opening section of what I've written so far in the book, that, that my idea was to put together a study guide on Matthew 24, and it turned into writing a book. And uh, I've got several chapters written. I have several chapters to write. I don't know if it'll take me another year, if it'll take me another five years. I, I, I don't honestly don't know. I don't, I don't have a timeline on it. But when I began, I began with the idea of developing a study guide to be used in the church. Because people sometimes need study guides. Now, the greatest study guide, and I talk about this in the again in the introduction, is the Spirit of God. And the teacher of all things is the Spirit of God. That's who teaches us all things, yea, the deep things of God. And the deep things of God are a person, or a, who is Christ. Deep things of God relates to him, and they relate to us in him. That's how they relate to us. If, if I take him out of the picture and I read them, well, they, 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 it's true that they speak of us, but they speak of us in him. And he's the defining part of everything. To me, Jesus, when, when I, I call Jesus the word of God, the logos, the high thought of God, the mind of God, the will of God, the person of God, the substance of God, I believe every word is defined by a word. I've said that to you before. And that word is Christ that he's the deaf, he defines, he gives meaning to everything. And without him, there's no meaning. It's, and, and that's the whole thing. So Matthew 24, when he's here in, in like we, we just read, he says, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you as a mother gathers her chicks. But now your house is left to you desolate. You know why that was left desolate? Because the glory of God just departed the house. Jesus left. And, and I believe when he left here, he wasn't coming back. That was it. The house was desolate. It had no more purpose. It was fulfilled. Everything it was created for, had it had served its purpose. And now the glory of God that had entered it in the person of Jesus Christ, and we're going to get into this more as this goes along, but the glory of God that had entered the old covenant temple had just left. And it was desolate. So it has no purpose. And 
you you know, maybe some, this has something to do with the abomination of desolation. I know not a lot of people tell you what that means, and we're going to study it out. But it may have more than one meaning. It may have significant meanings. I, I've had a thought, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but I've had a thought that the part of the abomination, at least, uh, you know, I know the Romans came in there. I, I was, I've, I've heard that one of the Jews began to declare himself to be God. But I had a thought that maybe part of it, or maybe the simplicity of it, is they kept offering the sacrifice after Jesus died. And that was an abomination. They never received him, abomination of desolation, because the house was desolate. Not that not that all the others aren't true, that the Roman soldiers entered into the temple, but Jesus told them there, said, your house is left to you desolate. And then his disciples, when I go right into chapter 24 here, the disciples, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See you not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat up on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. And that's as far as I'm probably going into any for tonight. Take heed that no man deceive you. And, and now, how do we get deceived by man? By not being taught of God. That's how you get deceived by man. That's simple, right? Let no man deceive you. Because if I take the whole of Scripture... And Jesus said that the Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, shall guide you into all things, into all truth, that the Holy Spirit will take that of mine and show it to you, and that all things of the Father's are his. So what would deceive me if I'm in relationship with him and I'm living in union with Christ, see that no man deceive you. Remember, we've just been in a study of abiding in his word. Well, in his word, he said that the comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, he will guide you into all truth. So deception appears to come from man. Natural understanding. Okay? Amen. So if I have a natural understanding of the scripture and I'm not taught of God, there's a good chance I may be deceived. And, and in this day, when he was speaking to these disciples, what they were up against, if they were deceived, is that the Roman army was going to come in there and destroy the temple and destroy Jerusalem. So they were they were in a situation, if they didn't understand, they didn't believe the Lord. And 
You know, he told them, he said, you see, when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, know that it is nigh, know that it's even at the door. Then, then they were in a position where they weren't going to escape Jerusalem. It was, it was coming. Everything the scriptures declared was on the way. See, again, Jesus was born under the law. He was the end of that covenant. Okay, look at Acts 3. Acts chapter 3 and verse, uh, let's see, 14. says, but you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, have made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness, in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I want not that through ignorance you did it as did also our rulers, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all of his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Look at that. God showed by, how did God show? By the mouth of his prophets that Christ should suffer. And now God has fulfilled it. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which was before preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of the restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him you shall hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after as many have spoken have likewise foretold you these days. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in the turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Look at this. Who's he talking to here? The Jews. He is speaking here to the Jews. Unto you first. You know, we don't fully comprehend this, that the gospel, even when the apostles began to preach, they were preaching to the Jews. There was a turning where the gospel shifted from the Jews to the Gentiles. But when they started declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were preaching to the Jews. 
Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophet declared in Deuteronomy 18. And God told them, this is what Acts 3 comes from, and the refreshing of the Lord to me is the Spirit of God, is Christ revealed in your heart. But God told the Jews that if they did not hear this prophet, it would be required of them. What would be required of them? Well, all the things of the old. All the things of that covenant. All the things that God had said in the book of Deuteronomy was going to be required of the Jews. And it was. And it was. God's true to his word. Whether people accept it or not, he's true to his word. And he had a covenant word. If you do this, I do this. And, and he laid it out. So, so there was a covenant word that was in place until Jesus come. And so Jesus came. And what did Jesus do when he came? He took away the first to establish the second. That's one of the main scriptures in this. That lo, I come in the volume of the book, that in Hebrews chapter 10, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said sacrifices and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. He takes away the first. I, I know I didn't quote that at 100%, but he takes away the first, the first man, the first covenant, the first temple, the first priesthood. All that pertained to the old, he took away, that he may establish the second. And see, this is what I said to you, a person does this. It's not just that God wrote it in the book, and he did. He, he sent and signified it by his prophets. We read that. So the prophets were declaring that of Christ. They were declaring by the Lord what was coming, and it was signified by them but the one that, that they declared came. And, and when he came, the, the issue with Jerusalem is most of them would not believe he was the Christ. He came to his own, born of the seed of David, born of the seed of Abraham, the lineage of, of you, you know, Israel, the lion of the tribe of Judah, come from the volume of the book, everything the book declared, and dwelled in their midst. But yet, they did not believe him. As many as received him, gave he the right, the authority, the power, to become sons of God. So, so that was the transition. You know, you, you had a people there that believed they were already the sons of God. Think about it. When you come to Nicodemus, Nicodemus a Pharisee, and we and we thought this maybe from a doc, only a doctrinal stance, but a few years ago this jumped out at me and 
it, with, with Nicodemus coming to him, I said he came to Nicodemus, and I'm sure he did, but Nicodemus came to him at night. Uh, and when Nicodemus came to him, what happened? You know, teacher, you must be sin of God. So Nicodemus, how did Nicodemus realize that? He realized that from all the works he, had, he was doing in the midst of Jerusalem. So the works of God were following Jesus. And, and teacher, thou must be from God. Right? So, so Jesus sets forth to him and says, Nicodemus, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom of God, born of water and spirit to enter the kingdom of God. Now consider this, and I know we preach this as a doctrine, and I do, I do right now that you have to be born of spirit. But Nicodemus was a Jew. So, so Nicodemus would have thought probably he was automatically going into the kingdom of God. He's, he's, a, he's a son of Abraham. Think how radical Jesus was right there to Nicodemus' mind. You being a Jew must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Not just to the Gentile, but he was, he was declaring there that being a Jew, being of the lineage of David, being of the lineage of Benjamin, being of the lineage of Judah, you can go on and on. That doesn't matter. You must be born from above. And then he says, I'm from above. <laughs> you must be born of me to enter the kingdom of God. That's it. If you're not born of me, you're not going into the kingdom of God. Now, we have in Christianity people believing the natural Jews are just going to walk in someday. You know, when old Jesus was bringing a new man, a new covenant, one that was of spirit, hallelujah to the Lamb of God, and everything of the flesh that was done in, in Israel was signifying what God was going to do. God having a chosen people was signifying the truth that's in Christ, of a people chosen in Christ. That's what it was signifying. That's what the whole Israelite spoke of. Israel, Israel is a prince of God, a son of God. So Israel was speaking, you know, of Christ, of the church of Christ and the church. That's what Israel was speaking of. Out of Israel came a many-membered man. You know, you, you study it, Jacob's name was changed to what? Israel. And out of him came many-membered man, mankind. You know, when I say man, that was male and female, and they were all called Israelites. So all the tribes took on that name. So here Jesus comes on the scene, and the truth of Israel, the seed of God, comes to pass. 
He's the true seed of God. He's the true promise of Abraham. Here he is in their midst. And he's coming to fulfill the word of God. I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. If Christians would hear the simplicity of that statement, it is written of me. That's what I said recently, looking unto Jesus. That's who the book's written of. And we find our identity in him. We don't find it anywhere else. He's mining your identity as believers. And so we find all things fulfilled in him. In John chapter 5, now this ain't in order, I have these scriptures down, but it's definitely not flowing in the order I was going to flow in, but uh, thanks be unto God. In John chapter 5, what did Jesus tell them? You search the scripture, and in them you think you have eternal life. How do they think they have eternal life? By searching the scripture, by, by being justified by the scripture. That's what he's saying, because they were coming to Jesus all the time accusing him. But he told them, he says, you search the scripture, and in them you think you have eternal life. This is uh, around 36 to 40. And he said, but these, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. And again, he's speaking to the Jews. Now, he speaks to the whole world in that. But right there, Literally, he was speaking to the Jews. Literally. He was standing in part of Judah, Judea. You know, in the New Testament scripture, I think it's called Judea. That's Judah. I don't know that we get a hold of this sometimes. The kingdoms of Israel were split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, and you have Judah, and the other kingdom had already been carried away. Now, some of the Jews from that may have come back, but here they are. And Jesus shows up on the scene, the Messiah comes, and he tells them, you search the scripture, and you think you have life. But they testify of me. So, and when, when that's said, there's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, this is recorded in John. But when that's said, there's Genesis to Malachi. That's the scripture. And he says that testifies of him. So, so when I go back there, that scripture is his testimony. It's giving a testimony of Christ. And Luke, he tells them the same thing. Look at Luke 24. Luke 24. Verse 25 through 27, then 44 through 49. 
He says, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, people have expounded from the scriptures, including myself. Years ago, I tried to figure out how this applied to a country in the Middle East. You know, when things were going on in the world, I, I tried to figure it out. I can remember when things were going in, uh, I think, in Iran years ago. Well, I was trying to figure out how that the scripture applied to that. Okay, because that's where my mind was. That's what I thought. But Jesus says he expounded to them from Moses throughout the prophets concerning himself. He didn't say, I'm expounding to you about Iran concerning himself. So when I go in the scripture, I go in the scripture to understand, to know, to see him, to have a comprehension from God. And then coming on down here in uh, same chapter, Luke 24, 44. And he says to them, verse 44, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So how, how did they come to understand the scriptures? He opened their understanding. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and your witnesses these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on, on high. So the book is written of him. The Old and New Testament scriptures declare Jesus Christ the Lord. That's what's being declared. And in the declaration of him, we find our relationship as believers. That's how we find our relationship, is in the declaration of him. So when I look at Matthew 24, and I look at the end of all things, I want to understand them in the person of Jesus Christ. That's how I want to understand. Because if I don't, I'm going to misinterpret. I don't want to misinterpret. And if I do in this series, you know, if God enlightens me five years later to something more or something different, my goal is not to deceive you. I'm going to point you to the Lord. I am going to ask you to go to the Lord and search it out with Christ. That's my goal.
that we come to see him. Now, a couple more things I'm going to share with you, and I'll, I'll be done tonight, and we'll pick this up Sunday night. But a couple more things here. Many years ago, God said to me, and it stuck in me for years, and I've probably, every one of you probably heard it. He says, he said to me, it is all in my word. And when he said that to me, I had things I believed come before me. I mean, they just like begin to come right up before my face. And I was like, oh my, that's not in your word. That's not in your word. I don't really know, do I, Lord? I was a very young minister. And that come before me. And I realized, I don't know. It's in your word. Now, to me, at that time, I was only looking at the written letter. When the Lord spoke that, my mind was only in the written letter, but it's all in Christ. And we read that he's all in all. So all things of the written letter are defined, like I said, by him. But the written letter declares. See, see, this goes hand in hand. There are some today that, that want to put in doubt the written letter. I don't believe you can put it in doubt because Jesus said that testifies of him. Now, I may not understand everything of it, but it testifies of him. He understands everything. Of and so if the holy men of God wrote as the spirit of God moved upon them. Now they weren't seeing clearly what they were writing. I agree with some people saying they weren't seeing clearly what they were writing, but that doesn't mean they wrote an error because the spirit of God moved up on them to write. Right? Sure he did. So, so the instructions that came from them came from the Lord. And, and all that instruction came to a person. And we will probably never exhaust that person. I know we won't. Because in him dwells all fullness of God. So how could I ever exhaust all fullness of God? I'd be deceived in myself thinking I could. Now, God may share his fullness with me, with you, but I can't exhaust it. He has to share it. That's why it's a relationship. And God shares himself. So that's this is, I just wanted to, to kind of set this forth tonight, introduce it. And I have emailed you all copies of what I've written so far, so you can print them out and read them. And, and if you want a uh, printed copy, I'd be happy to get one to you. If you can print them yourself, then print them yourself. If you can't, let me know. We'll, we'll, we'll get them printed and sent to you. That's not a that's not an issue. 
but the scripture testifies of him. He come in the volume of the book, he takes away. So, so when he comes, leaves the temple, and he tells them, not a stone shall be left upon another, he takes away, he establishes. Keep that in your mind. Keep that in your mind as we go forward. And and he and he said he spoke of him of his body. He said, in three days I will raise it again and destroy this temple. In three days I'll raise it again. And the, you know, they were looking at the physical structure there, but Jesus is speaking of his body, and the physical structure was destroyed. But his body was raised in three days. And people actually begin to be members of his body before the physical structure was destroyed. And, and I believe some clarity has to come on believers with that too. And, and I'm, you know, with some of Paul's and Peter's writing that people look way, way out in the future. I believe folks, they were looking at that system that, that had been done away at the cross, it was done away, but it was still remaining upon the earth. It was still there. But that that was done away was getting ready to be taken away. And in 70 AD, what was done away at the cross was taken off the earth. Now, it wasn't done away in 70 AD. It was already done away. He already took it away. He already died once at the end of the world. King James writes, he died. So, so that age ended, it died, but what was done away with was taken away. The sad part is, I believe many believers try to put it back. They go and they try to put something back that God has removed off the earth. And instead of coming into the ant, in, into the understanding of what God has done and declaring it to a people that they would grow up in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, they're looking for something other than him. Now, am I looking for something? Yes. I'm looking for the Lord. I, I'm in a continual state of looking for the Lord, looking for his appearing, looking for him to be revealed looking for a greater understanding, a greater reality of the person of Christ. Yes, I am. So yes, I'm looking for the Lord, but I am seeing the Lord. He's ever coming. He's ever appearing. He comes and makes himself known in all the book declares righteousness. Though I come in the volume of the book. So if you want to find righteousness, find him. You want to find holiness, find him. You want to find purity, find him. He defines every single thing. Glory to God. I'll stop right here tonight and uh, go ahead, Brother Mark. Amen. Well, thank you.